Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 61. Let's roll. And uh, thank you for joining me again, all you fine people out there. Man, I I just love it. You know, uh, I get a lot of feedback from y'all. And uh, when the pod is late, which it is today, this is Veterans Day. We're recording on a Thursday. I get all these little, you know, messages, notes, and DMs. Where's my pod? And I just love y'all. So thank you so much for listening and and making this a real fun show to do. I think it's going to be a fun show today as I have a, a fellow East Coaster on with me today and, a, you know, another old guy. So we're, you know, we're, we're going to we're going to be we're going to be bringing up references from the 80s, which is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. But uh, I'm super excited to have uh, my guest on this week is a, a, a guy that I've I've not really uh, ever met before. Today is our first day getting together, which is really exciting. But, uh, you know, college football guy. And, you know, I love having these guys on who can start telling me what the hell I'm, I'm, I'm looking for here for the 2022 class and, and forward. But we're going to talk about everything. You know, we're going to talk about this season, what's going on. And, and we're just going to have a lot of fun. I'm sure you're going to love the show. But without further ado, let me bring out my guest. My guest is Mr. John Lobb. John is, uh, can be found uh, on Twitter at GridironSkull91. He, uh, he is the Gridiron Scholar. And uh, boy, no better name than that. Welcome to the program, John Lobb. John, what's going on, buddy? Hey, thanks for inviting me. Very nice meeting you. I um, hope some new listeners get a chance to hear our discussion today that who I have not spoken to and they have not heard from me. So that's great opportunity. I love this time of the year. College fantasy football is winding down. We're in our playoffs now. We're halfway through the NFL season. And I will say this for the first time, and I've been doing my um, profiles of prospects for eight years on footballdiehards.com. And this year I see more and more analysts already projecting rankings. I have never seen them this early. They usually pop up after the championship games in around mid-December, but I think people are just so excited about the NFL draft and the prospects. I'm not even ready yet. I'm still in the process. And there are people already jumping ahead to the next season. I'm blown away how fast and how far this industry has come. Well, you know, and there's a reason for that, John. We all want to be the one that said, I called it first, man. You know, that was my guy. I called it first. Look back and, you know, I mean, it just, you know, you know how it is. I mean, everybody wants to be first to say they, they called it. But, you know, I, I'm a little bit more of a pragmatist and, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit more of a hot, hot take guy because I think that's what sells. But, you know, pragmatism pays. And and a lot of times I just wait and wait and wait. I always say patience, especially in Dynasty. I always preach patience and, you know, with with prospecting, you know, there's just not enough information uh, to sort of make all the calls. I mean, we know draft capital is a huge, um, you know, predictor of future uh, performance. And I think a lot of us looked at like Jamar Jefferson and Kylan Hill and we're like, those dudes are going to be good. And then they get drafted in the sixth or seventh round or whatever. And so, you know, the the hopes get crashed against the rocks. So it doesn't mean they're dead, but you know what I mean. So I think a lot of times just taking your time and and having some rankings is fun. And we will talk about that. I actually started to put together my 2022 rankings and really, really hard to do for me because I don't even watch college football. You, on the other hand, do. (laughs) I want to say, you know, 
I tend to be slow and I don't want to push my process. By about March 1st is when I really kind of publicly publish my first rankings. And I'll give a good example of why you have to be careful. Let's backtrack to 2019, November 1st. If I had come on your show, Jonathan Taylor would have been the third or fifth running back ranked. Somewhere's in that kind of um, ranking. And then as I watched more film of Taylor, and it was, you had to separate him from the Wisconsin offensive line. Because anyone who loves college football, Wisconsin's run blocking scheme, their ground game is just stupendous. I mean, the number of Wisconsin offensive linemen in the NFL are silly. You know every year they're going to come and they are going to run block. So we had players like Melvin Gordon and Monty Ball and, you know, James White, lots of running backs, but never – Gordon was probably the best of the last decade, you know, before Jonathan Taylor. So if you had me come on, I would have said, Jonathan Taylor, let's say I put him at number four. Okay, then I watched film. And I remember by about January 20th, I am at number three. I was like, wow. But film can be deceiving. I mean, I know it as well as anyone. You can look fast on film, but it doesn't necessarily, you're football fast. And I, I believe in football fast. And it's not necessarily quantitative, but there is football speed. But when Jonathan Taylor went to the combine, and he produced those athletic numbers, my friend. Jonathan Taylor became the number one back in Dynasty. He was the number. There was no question in my mind because the athleticism matched the film. You know, the, that's, the, that's what we want. That's what we want more than anything. Athleticism and film to match. Sure. Another, another example, 2018. If you ask me, where I was on Cortland Sutton coming out of SMU. I would say, look it, unbelievable career at a group of five school at SMU. But he's a superior physically dominant player against cornerbacks and safeties who just cannot deal with him. They can't physically play against him. So I had him again, three or four. When he did those times, at the Combine, I put Cortland Sutton ahead of DJ Moore. He was my number one wide receiver. Because what happened was, wow, I knew he was physical. I knew he was big. He could definitely run routes. I liked the film. Not saying, you know, he had some drops. But I'm not a drop guy. Like some no. people get on and talk. I don't. Brandon Marshall dropped the most balls, I think, in the history of the NFL. And he should be in the Hall of Fame. Don't know if he will. But Brandon Marshall is unbelievable from UCF, went to Denver. We know the story, 1,000-yard seasons, all of that. So I don't care about drops. I knew Cortland some, but when he showed that athleticism, that's it. Now the athleticism matches the physical dominance and the film study. He can compete athletically with the best athletes in the country, and I moved them up. So we're still in the process and if anyone has told you they're 100% convinced right now, I don't believe them. There's no. two, there's two, I got to see the senior bowl. I, I got to see the college football playoffs. 
you and I were talking before the show tonight. I got my pen, my pad. I'm old school. I'm watching <laughs> Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell. Now, I'm one of the few guys. I take notes as the games unfold. I literally have a, a, a file cabinet in my bedroom of notes, and I have them by prospect. Well, they're kind of by, like, position. I'll have quarterbacks, and I'll flip through my notes in the winter vacation. I'm a teacher. And then I begin to put together my film study because I like the notes as the game unfolds. I like taking notes as the game unfolds, especially at the quarterback position. Well, uh, you know, I will say a couple things. Number one, if you had been on my show in November of 2019, you would have gotten some pushback from me because I did have JT 101 the whole way. But that's not the point you're making. Your point is that a lot of information, new information changes. And I always say be Bayesian, you know, be ready to be wrong. And you're just uh, making all those cases. You know, I mean, we have to be assume that we're going to be wrong a lot. Uh, You also mentioned, you know, the ability to compete athletically. Well, I tell you, there is one player who is perhaps no longer able to compete athletically. And that, my friends, is the man that Bill Belichick killed. He literally put him underground. It is over for Sam Darnold. My goodness gracious. Uh-huh. You know, they said, I mean, come on, right? They said they said they found the uh, the shoulder scapula uh, broken or some shit. You know, and it was like, after multiple tests, we finally found a reason to put him on the, on the IR. Uh, that was basically the way I saw it. They were like poking and prodding. Sure, your leg doesn't hurt, Sam? Are you sure your leg doesn't hurt? Let's check your leg. What about your ribs? Shit, your shoulder must be hurt. You're throwing all these. Oh, we found something. Your ass is on the bench. And P.J. Walker seems to step in. But this brings us to another bit of glorious news. I'm curious to hear what you think. I, you know, we're recording, you know, noon Pacific, 3, three Eastern. I, I haven't seen a, a, a note come across that Cam Newton has been signed. But there's been some, some hustle and bustle about the fact that he might be back in the NFL playing for the Carolina Panthers. Wow. You can talk about Sam or Cam or whoever you like. But what do you think about all that? I think it's a no-brainer. Now, I do see um, – I thought I saw that he was signed, but I could be wrong. Um, you know, that was about 45 minutes ago. Breaking, the Panthers announced they have agreed Ooh. to terms with Cam Newton. I just missed it then. There it is. It's, it's a no-brainer, my friend. When you're looking at the NFL and you're looking – let's say you need 96 st- quarterbacks – when you're, if you're looking three deep, that's how I kind of look at it. Once you get yep. past three deep, who knows? Cam Newton is one of the 96 best men on the planet who can play quarterback. I think his best days, obviously, as a starter are long behind him. Whatever happened to Carolina with the shoulder was much worse than we were given any real knowledge of. We kind of saw it, but, you know, when the throws are bad, I mean, and he was never an accurate thrower. But, I mean, his accuracy just took a nosedive. I mean, people forget he was the MVP. He did take a 1-15 team and lead him to the Super Bowl. I mean, he could throw the football. He's not Brady. I get it. You know, he's not throwing dimes in there into tight coverage. But Cam could throw. He got hurt, and he's never bounced back. The shoulder is not there. However, look at the Panthers' depth chart. You can't survive with P.J. Walker for the rest of the season. 
There's no guarantee. Look, we've watched enough football. P.J. Walker could get hurt this weekend, knock on wood. I hope he doesn't, but he could, right? I mean, (laughs) you need, if you have to play Cam Newton just for his running ability and his ability to run the offense, if he's your third quarterback on the field in week 12, my friend, Cam Newton's fine. Now, am I going to put him in my dynasty team? Probably not. I mean, do I want to pick him up in redraft? Probably not. I mean, obviously, in a two-quarterback desperate league, you could probably do it with some bye. And we have a big bye week. Isn't week 13 or 14 coming up? Actually, the Panthers might be off one of those weeks anyways. So I'm not looking to get him. Could he have a 20, you know, two rushing touchdown day with 180 yards throwing an uh, air touch, a passing touchdown and 40 yards rush? Sure. Is he going to be consistent? No. You know, he's not going to be, but he deserves a roster spot, especially this late. Yeah. And here's the thing. I mean, I'm with you hundred percent, by the way, that's awesome. I was saying goodbye to my family. They're, they're out, they're out of town for the weekend and I missed the news. I saw it earlier, but yeah. that is fantastic. So glad that you're here. See, this is why we have all the smart people on to make sure that my idiot ass knows what's going on. But I did just read it while you were talking a little bit. I was listening to, uh, you know, I, unlike most men, I can multitask J- joking. I actually can't. Um, but w- here's the thing, <laughs> man, PJ Walker. First of all, let's just get to PJ Walker, PJ Walker, you know, it was just so good in the, what was it? The uh, XFL or whatever it was. Yes. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was just awesome. He was scintillating. Like literally you'd watch him. He'd just be like throwing it deep, like deep dimes, like unbelievable. Like just comeback wins. Like he was just unreal. Now fast forward to his NFL career in which he has a sub 50% completion percentage and he has a 7% interception rate. He has one touchdown, five picks, just has been atrocious. He has been awful. I picked up PJ. Look, first of all, you said another thing too. I love what you're talking about. Look, in dynasty, you know, or redraft, Cam is not really a buy in one quarterback leagues. I agree with you. Like, there's no sense. I play in a lot of super flex leagues, super flex dynasty. Yeah. In those leagues, I have held on to Cam. I actually have a few teams with both PJ and Cam because they're they're great stashes. Because PJ had what I thought was this sort of crazy upside because of how scintillating he was. He also had the floor that he has displayed, which is turd, right? He's a complete turd, right? But he had a lot of upside potential, especially in that offense. If Sam got hurt and all of a sudden this kid was, was frisky, you might have a little bit of a player. Now enter Cam Newton. I think PJ is going to, going to start this week, man. Oh man. If Cam is physically able to dress, that's it. (laughs) Just honestly, right? Yeah. Physically able to dress this week, there is a high, 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 high probability that they will be compelled to put him into the lineup this week. And if not, very, very highly compelled to put him in next week. So I think he starts no later than week 11. Uh, I think he's going to be, you know, uh, an upside quarterback one on a weekly basis. And it will come with 180 passing yards at 55% completion percentage and two rushing touchdowns. That is how it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, You got to hope for the two, the double rushing (laughs) touchdown. Hey, I was riding him last year in new England. Yep. If you forget before he, the COVID he tested positive for COVID cam was was good. Yes. And then he just never came back after that. 
He nope. was terrible. And, you, you know, I actually have a best ball dynasty league, and he's my fourth quarterback. Now, it wasn't meant to be that way, but we had our draft so early, and we only have one cut session. And I kept him, and who knows, maybe he ends up on a best ball starting lineup, you know, one random week. Because yep. I knew, I, I felt, you know what, he's with four quarterbacks, and luckily, knock on wood, my other three were healthy. Um, I said, maybe he comes back somewhere. And so yeah. maybe I get lucky he plays one week in my lineup. Yeah. Shifting to Sam Darnold, I think he's dead. I mean, I said it. I said Bill Belichick put the dirt over him. I think, I mean, it's going to be really, really difficult for Sam to get another starting gig. I don't think he does. I think he gets maybe a backup spot, and who knows, he could be thrust into action again and sort of earn the starting job that way. But I don't think that he's ever going to be trusted with the keys to any cars in the NFL. Um, What do you think about that? I went back over the summer. And I reread and rewatched my film breakdown of Sam Darnold. And I did see the athleticism and the arm strength is still there. Yep. But I did make the assumption that a lot of his challenges at the NFL level were Adam Gase related and just the poorness of the offensive personnel around him in the Jets. I thought with Matt Rule with Joe yeah. Brady, the offense coordinator, and with guys like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. Yep. I said, I believe he can take a step forward. I didn't think he'd be great. Yes. But he's been awful. Yep. He he remained a one-read quarterback. <clears throat> and you cannot, in the NFL, have long-term success as a one-read quarterback. You can't do it. You have to learn how to read the defense and read progressions, and Sam just has not done it. When I see him on film, he is literally half of field, one-look quarterback. He got away with in the beginning because of his rushing there. So yes. he had like some cam-like statistics. Yes. He fooled us a little bit. And he unlocked D.J. Moore a little bit. But once the defenses shut down D.J. Moore and he couldn't get – I mean, I'm baffled because he entered the league, I think, as one of the youngest starters ever at 20 years old. Correct. I And I'm a teacher, so I've seen young adults grow and mature. So I always try at the quarterback position to make some level of – maturity and learning growth that's right some growth to occur you know what my friend i don't see any growth and until he grows as a reader of defenses i don't think he has a shot as a starter in the nfl i agree 100 percent with everything you just said you nailed it and you know it's interesting you were talking early about that in that in that rant about uh darnold and you talked about how the adam gaze thing and everything and you're right about the young right so if you took all that stuff if i just gave you the data hey the worst coach in the history of the nfl like literally like you know like they're they're doing crack on the sideline like their their offensive line coaches cranking lines and texting strippers like this is the kind of gaze ship they run so that guy and then he was the youngest quarterback ever played at usc 
has all the tools, was a little erratic. Like, right, you start to tell that story and say, hey, now he's going to be with a much smarter offensive uh, program. He's going to have better weapons. He's going to have Christian McCaffrey start going, oh, okay. He's only going to be 24 years old, signed with a new team, team that believes in him, forward thinking. Oh, great. Yeah, this is going to be maybe not – maybe he's not going to be awesome, but he's going to take a step forward as you put it. Well, here's here's some quick stats. Look, he was a, basically a 59% completion percentage guy under Adam Gaze. This year, 59 and a half. That's Didn't terrible. go anywhere. Didn't go anywhere. No injuries. Right? No. Terrible. He, you know, touchdown percentage, yeah, he had a few on the, on the ground that took it away, but he was about just over three and a half this year, 2.3, only seven touchdowns. Oh. Picks. Look, he had about a three – uh, over a three percent uh, interception rate. He had. I'll just read it real quick. First year three six. Second year two nine. Uh, third year three zero. So just over three this year three six. Worst ever. That's Same. Bad. You know, right. Bad. Uh, QBR, which kind of measures a lot of different things. He was forty five, forty five, and forty. Oh, okay. Hey, if he can just get into the fifties or sixties this year, thirty five eight. He's just been awful. Worse than he was in the New York Jets system. You can't play him. They have to do this. They made the right move. I think they saw what you and I saw, like Matt Rule and everybody, you know, Tepper and everybody. They said, hey, if this kid is a little bit better and can take steps forward, we might actually have something. If we can reduce the picks and the mistakes, all of it, no. He's just not good. It's over for him. And uh, pour one out. He, he, look, Daniel Jones will be joining you soon in the loser lounge, so don't worry about it. Hey, you know, it's funny, too. I would even categorize – he's not even a two-read quarterback. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not expecting him necessarily to have advanced to Joe Montana, who if you're old like me, Joe could go like literally four reads, deep, middle, short, to the the dump off. Like just incredible. And he, I don't even see him going from the deep to the short option. Like yeah. it's really bad. It's and, bad. And – what I, what the one advantage that rule has that you and I don't, I would assume he knows what the coaching staff is doing in the film room, and right. Sam's just not learning. You right. can't tell me if you and I can figure this out. Don't you think the coaching staff has figured it out? And he's 100%. Not, and guess what? He's not learning. He's just. Yep. I mean, that's there's no way the coaching staff has not pointed this out to him, and he can't do it. Yeah, and one other thing while while we're at it, you know, just to pour some last final dirt on Sam Darnold's career. But, you know, the 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 first three games he was good, but he played the Jets. He played two yeah. home games, and two of them were against the Jets and Houston. So in those first four games, the Jets, New Orleans game was the aberration. That was the one that really threw us off because he was really good in that New Orleans yeah. game, you know, and they beat New Orleans 26-7, like we, we thought for a second New Orleans was good, then they were bad, and then they were good again. We're not sure. right? New Orleans was this sort of Jekyll and Hyde team early, yeah. but they were 3-0, but Jets in Houston. And, you know, he was frisky against Dallas, and then the wheels have completely fallen off. Oh, it's not like he's played these amazing teams. I mean, this, you know, a couple, you know, two weeks ago, he, at Atlanta, really needed to come through and played a shit game. And then absolutely, you know, just, you know, you got to love that Bill Belichick, who – he famously caused him to say, I'm seeing ghosts. Yeah. You know, puts puts the nail in the coffin of his career. Good night. <laughs> I agree completely. The <laughs> irony of Bill Belichick finally slamming the door <laughs> yes. is just unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, put a bow on it. It's over, son. It's over. Yeah. So, you know, hey, you know, I, I was a little bit hopeful for Sam. It's over. 
But that's that, you know, that that sort of middle ground of 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 quarterbacks and superflex, which is what makes superflex so much fun. Like, you know, if you hit on the right guys, it's great. If you miss, it's like, you know, you're just, like especially early on, you're like, "Fuck yeah, Sam Darnold." And now you're like, oh, uh, what happened? You know? Yeah. Well, you know, it really, I, I've come to this conclusion. Playing Superflex Dynasty is as close as us normal people can get to actually being a general manager. Yes. I mean, think about the general manager, I don't even know who it is, who drafted Sam Arnold. He's done. <laughs> he literally drafted Sam Arnold, and he is no longer general manager, right? Because. And this it happens in your superflex league. You you yes. you draft this young player. I mean, look at the difference. I bet ADP to a tag of Viola was leaps and bounds of Justin Herbert, right? Yep. And look at now, who would you rather be as a dynasty owner, Tua or Justin Herbert? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sinks two friend or it sinks one franchise and elevates the others. I mean, that little error in judgment and look at how different everything turns out what if herbert was with miami right now i'm not sure but i'll tell you what i think herbert is definitely better than tua but this is actually this is a question i have because i'm a little bit ready to start it was interesting in the off season you know we have i'm at the undroppables and one of the cool things about the undroppables is we always have a very uh energetic and lively chat we have a DM thread, a couple of them. You know, we have the Discord and all different places, but we communicate with each other, sort of behind the scenes, to sort of I always say, iron sharpens iron. You know, in other words, stress test your takes. You know, you throw it out there, and someone's just going to be, you know, whatever. So it's a lot of fun. But in those moments, we were talking about Tua all off season. Is is he a buy low? Because he was, I don't know, he was going off somewhere in the, you know, wide receiver. I mean, excuse me, quarterbacks sixteen uh, ish. Oh yeah, you know, he was. Sort of outside, you know, in Dynasty, I mean, even, you know, obviously, I think in Redraft, he was probably lower than that. I, I don't really remember. I'm not looking at Redraft, but I'm talking about in Dynasty, where it was like, well, wait a minute. He could easily be a top 10 or 12 Dynasty quarterback if he plays well this year. So he should be a buy. And I was a little hesitant just because I wasn't entirely sure. The injuries scared me, the offense scared me. I don't know. There was just some sort of stank on all this. And sure enough, you know, it's stinkier than I thought. Um, but but now, where we are, excuse me, where we are now, I, I wonder if he's a buy now because I think a lot of people are ready to jump off this Tua ship. Are you ready to jump off or are you thinking, hey, man, this could be get a little bit better if this team can – I mean, obviously the team is shit. You know, they, they can't win anything. So, no, but right? So, I mean, if you yeah, have a shit right. team with a terrible offensive line, he's getting pressured. His pressure rate is like – I think it's like 50% – more than like the next like he's like 32 31 is like he's fine you know it's really bad are you buying in on Tua I'm holding I will say over the summer I was buying Tua I have yep. enough shares of Tua I thought yeah <laughs> yeah you can't buy anymore yeah and yeah. I'm not going to sell low right I, I think he has a depressed value right now right I do see some positives in Tua he never had the best arm. That's That was not his, in my opinion, that was not the scouting report that I put together coming out. The only thing that I still don't fully know, because I'm not a doctor, Yeah. that hip injury 
All I know is I read some, you know, doctors who do fantasy stuff. They said that was basically Bo Jackson's injury. That's right. It ended careers previously. That's right. Yes. And they'd never seen it on a quarterback. So there was no examples in like the medical research that how can he bounce back as a quarterback? And a couple of doctors who I've read, or or at least I respect, said he should be okay. They expected the long-term prognosis that Tua should be okay. And then he came back. Now, I was always under the belief that he should never have played last year, but that's just me. I'm with you, by the way. I think he should have took a red shirt. No big deal in my 100% with you. 100%. So all I know is this. Since I've seen him, he is not the same quarterback pre-injury. Do I know if they are correlated? I do not. All I Now, part of it is what you just said. The Miami team around him is not helping his progress whatsoever. No. But am I also, am I impressed with him at moments? Yes. But we now have a major health concern. He can't stay on the field. He right. isn't the biggest guy. He never was, and I'm okay with that because Russell Wilson isn't the biggest guy. Drew Brees wasn't the biggest guy. You know, Kyler Murray. So I'm not oh, – I was never overly, oh, he's a little bit on the smaller side. That never – I think we should get out of that narrative Not by now. I did think – and he was never Kyler Murray mobile, but he was mobile enough. Right. He could avoid pass rushers, and he could always throw on the run. He was very good at throwing on the run. I'm holding because I can't buy, I can't sell so low. Like, I'm not taking a third-round pick for Tua. Right, no, no. I can't do it. And no one's going to give me a first. And they don't want to lowball you. Everyone's sending like, hey, you want a third or fourth round for Tua? I'm like, please. No. Not in a super flex. So I got to hold them for now. Yeah, and I think maybe in a super flex, you know, well, and this is a perfect transition. Okay, here's the perfect transition because we're going to talk about is Tua worthy of a first round pick in 2022? Meaning, is Tua, and this may be a great buying opportunity because let's say you send a 22 first. I mean, obviously it can be late, early, whatever you want to call it. But basically, what I'm saying is, do you want Tua over? All of the other quarterbacks in the 2022 class, which we're about to talk about, but that's really the question because that's really it. When you're at offering someone a 2022 first in a super flex league for Tua, you're basically saying, I still believe in Tua over any of these other guys that are coming out of uh, college in 2022. What say you, John? Would you prefer Tua or any of those guys? That's a, you know I hadn't thought of it that way, but I'll say this. I was high on to a pre-draft process. There's no one in this class other than Matt Corral who would I would have even in the same bucket. And yeah. I don't think I'd have Matt Corral ahead of Tua. So right. I, I, none of the other players would be ahead of Tua. Now, context. Do I have three or four quarterbacks that I can work with? Because there are other players. So it would depend on my quarterback room. Like I have a team with Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins, and Tua. 
I'm pretty happy with Wentz and Cousins and Tua right now. If right. someone gave me um, a first-round pick for Tua, I would definitely do it, even a second, because I I believe I can do all right with Wentz and Cousins, and I have their backups. However, if I have Joe Burrow, Tua, and I'm trying – Sam Darnold, I, I don't know if I could do that. So I do think there's a little context. I think I would take the first, all things equal, because I, I think do so like too. other positions. I, I understand. I, I guess what I'm getting at right now is that Tua, if you're if you're just talking about any starting quarterback uh, in a super flex league being worth a single first round pick, it's kind of like that's a pr- you have to consider it. No, I know I, I would, s- I would, but I don't think any of them right now are that high, except for maybe Corral. By the way, I just sent that offer. I sent a oh, 2020. I sent a 2022 first yeah. for Tua. Have not received an, uh, a, a response yet. Now the 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 team that I'm sending the the pick for is uh, in first place, so it's oh. late. It's late. I own that pick. I'm not first place. I'm in last place. I'm tanking for Tua. I'm tanking for whoever the hell Matt Corral. I don't even know. This is awful. It is awful. I don't want to. <laughs> I am so not impressed with this class. But I, I'm tanking, and I've got the also the champs or you know, returning champ who's in first place. I got his pick too. Hey, he could flip. But I'm just saying, I sent that pick straight up for Tua because I'm happy to pay it. You know, I've got my pick. I figure I could put a quarterback room together. It's actually a. 10 team league with three starters. So it's a double Ooh. super flex. Pretty, pretty fun actually, because I don't know, it's just fucking stupid, but it's fun. But I sent that pick. So it's a projected number 10 pick, you know, but it could be the seven, eight, nine, 10. He's making the playoffs. So it's definitely late. Uh, I, and I'm happy to spend it um, because I feel like, you know, that's definitely buying low for my, uh, from my eyes. And I think I'm okay with that. I think he's okay. I'm not sure he's elite, but I think he's like, here's, here's the question. If you were Cleveland, you're the Cleveland Browns right now, and Miami calls, and they say, hey, listen, uh, hey, we were thinking maybe just a straight-up trade, Baker for Tua. You in? No, I'm, ta- I'm keeping Baker. Okay. Because I'll tell you what, I'm a big – I grew up in the Cal Ripken era, and I grew up with availability as a skill. And sure. I know not everyone believes in that, but the one thing I can say about Baker – He's been on the field for mostly most of the time. Sure. Uh, far more than Tua. So I'm going to go with the healthier player who still, to me, Baker has a little upside. And I am fascinated without Odell to see how this offense turns around. Because I, I think – so I'm a teacher. Let me just say one thing that I think is underrated. I'm a teacher. Culture matters. Yep. Look it. I, I've been in the classroom when one young adult can destroy the entire class. Yep. If that is true with Odell, I get it. I get it. And if you're not a teacher or a coach, you don't get it. But if you are and you've had that person who can just dis- – and, and sometimes it happens at companies. Like you could be in a – you know, and just that one person who just brings everything down – that could be Odell, my friends. Look at what could he be. did with the Giants. I mean, remember when yeah. they were 10 and 1 and they took that picture on the boat and the Giants yeah. have fallen apart and Odell was in that picture? I mean, I understand culture breakers, and I think Odell is a culture breaker. He I, might be. 
you know, I've been around it too much. Yeah. I've just seen it too many times in my life as an educator. Yeah, we try and we try and figure that stuff out. I'm with you 100. percent You know, I, I'm a, I'm a leader where I, where I work as well, and you know, you try to keep that culture. You try and keep those attitudes up. You try and keep, you know, the spirit. The you know, everything. Those things are are. Uh, unquantifiable, but as a teacher or leader, you can measure those things in your own head, right? You know damn well, you know, if there was a zero to a hundred when it's at 20 or whether it's at 80, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I I would argue like, I don't care if a person's 90 or 82, right? (laughs) Right. But I can't have a 20. Right. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right. I can't have the outlier that is just going to bring so many down. You, yes. It just it doesn't succeed in the long run. And now this is two, this is two locker rooms. And everyone said, "Why did the Giants give up Odell for nothing?" And you know what? I think it makes a little bit more sense. He just walked away from Cleveland, basically. I mean, that's that is bizarre. All yes. that. And, and you know what? Have you heard of Cleveland Brown really like Odell speak up for him or, or stand? I, I, and maybe I'm wrong. Not really. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And even, did you even hear the coaching staff, like bang the drum for Odell? That's, that's tough. Those are tough signs. I mean, you know, I'll bang the drum for the good kid who's loud and might be a little crazy. Like, I know it's a good kid, but he's chatty. You know, he might be a little bit, but I know he's a deep down. He's 15. He's a good kid. I'll right. bang that drum for that person. I'm not going to bang the drum for the mean spirited person or the, you know, like you do know the difference. And I don't hear one coach bang that drum for Odell. And that's weird. And find me a Giants coach who banged the drum for Odell. Yeah, and you may be right. You know, this Baker situation, he has been <clears throat> he's been very inter- it's been an interesting season statistically for him because yeah. he is way up in terms of completion percentage. He is way down in terms of touchdown percentage, but he is way up in terms of yards per attempt. So like it's like kind of weird. You know, I'm not sure what to make of it. He's way up in terms of sack percentage. I think I, I said last week on the show, and I'm not sure what you think about this, but I, th- I said um, I feel like he's afraid to make mistakes because yeah, he knows. I agree with that. Right. So he's taking sacks. He's he's not throwing those interceptions. He's he when you know because I feel like he has the like we all play Madden. He has those moments when like you 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 have a guy wide open, you press the guy to throw it to him, and like. In Madden, it just throws it to the other team. You're like, what the fuck was that? Like, <laughs> like, like it's the automatic interception. Like your team just has to overcome this shit. You're like, that was bullshit. I he was open. I threw it to him, and it was fucking. You know, yeah, he yeah. does those. He does those where you're like two times a game. You're like, what the fuck are you doing, well, uh, Baker? I'll say what over 40 years of watching NFL football, there is an unquantifiable trait that I think if you're not a big football fan, and I call it letting it rip. John Elway had it. Yeah. Brett Favre had it. Dan yes. Marino had it. Aaron Rodgers has it. You've just got to have the chutzpah. When no logic tells you to throw this ball into double coverage, you have a safety over the top and you have a corner on the on the hip. And what do you you just let that rip? Baker doesn't have that yet. Right. Now, 
I've seen lots of successful quarterbacks do what Baker does, managing the game, letting the running game work, right? Not making mistakes, being on the field. You can do that. You're not going to be a Hall of Famer. You're not going to put up world-class numbers, but you will be successful. And that's what I see out of Baker right now. He doesn't just let it rip. Now, that could also be the coaching staff, but they have more insight than me. They might be holding him back because they know he can't let it rip, right? Like, there's a point. I mean, you're old enough to remember Brett Favre with Holmgren. You would see Holmgren shaking his head. And, like, literally three seconds later, he's like, holy shit, you know? Like, he made that throw because yeah, no it's it's the. It's the it's a three pointer from the from the guy where you're like no 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 yes yeah like and, <laughs> and and those are unquantified like you have to watch the player uh, and I literally mean like every play to understand that unquantifiable ability yeah Steph Curry has like in the nineties people would have Pat Riley would have benched Steph Curry for the shots he takes. <laughs> It's but true. Now, but now you watch Steph Curry, you're like, whoa! Like, it's he, true. Right? I mean, Pat Riley would never have let him take those shots. Hey, but, imagine imagine just putting Steph Curry like in a 1950s gym. Like, oh, he, uh, I've always said this. No one has been like, what the fuck is going on? How does he make them? Yeah, what yeah. is it, magic? No, the only guy I could say is he reminds me of Pete Maravich in a different way, but just yeah. – the unconscious ability to take shots and make them that no one, like most normal people, like I'm not, make, I'm not even shooting it. Curry, right. him and Maravich are just like I'm shooting it and I'm going to make it. Like just this unconscious, and that's what a great quarterback does. And I don't think Baker has that, but he's a very right. good quarterback. He's been playing well. He's got his team in position. I've got to give him a little bit of credit for sure. But here's the thing. So I had uh, my very good friend and someone I respect a great deal, Mr. Felix Sharp, on this oh, yeah. uh, on this program, and we talked a little bit about the 2022 class, and it was a lot of fun, man. Me and Felix were talking NFL, and and we're getting through it, and then I was like, man, I, I don't know what the hell I'm talking NFL with this dude. I need to go straight to college. So it was like I it was off script. It was not on the show sheet, and I just went at him. I was like. Here we go, man. We're talking it. And he had me fucking depressed, man. Absolutely depressed. I kept asking who the good players were. And it was like he was going through a Rolodex. He's like, let me see here. Um, And there was nobody to be found. Now, subsequently, I've taken a step back. And here we are talking about quarterbacks. Let's stay with quarterbacks. Let's talk about the 2022 class. I'm going to just set it up for the listening audience a little bit. Because here's what I've – I'm going to talk for a moment and then you can retort. So here's what we've got in the 2022 class. Everybody's talking about Malik Willis. Everybody's talking about Malik Willis. I see a very, very raw prospect. I've heard some some very positive things. I've seen some amazing things. But I also uh, understand that, he, you know, from a clean pocket, he's one of the worst Woo! quarterbacks in college football. Terrible. So we have to be very, very careful with getting too excited because I'll tell you, Malik Willis – it, again, if we're, if we're playing Madden, that's the dude I'm taking immediately. The dude is electric. He's got a great arm. I'll make the decisions for him and be able to make those throws. But, you know, in real NFL, it takes that processing power. Oh, and I'm not sure where news, he's Breaking news. Odell oh. signed with the Rams. Holy shitballs. There yes. you go. Odell signs with the Rams. 
You know I what? love it. it. You know what, though? I guarantee you what McVay's saying. I pay nothing. If I get to a Super Bowl with them, it's gold. I can get rid of them at the end of the year. It doesn't matter. I, it's gold. Wow. It's gold. It's, I, I get it. McVay, McVay's got all chips in. All, all in. Chips in. I Holy mean, shit. So here's the problem with that. Yeah. There's a Van Jefferson. Who, we've all been looking at Van Jefferson as a I mean, he you know, he is not part of this rotation now. I mean, maybe for one more week, but you know, wow. I mean yeah. I mean for this year in Dynasty you can hold on to Jefferson. Oh yes. But in redraft, I mean, you got to think Odell, Odell usurps him pretty quick on the you know, come on, now they're gonna be running out. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Odell Beckham, and Daryl Henderson. Now, forget about it. And Higby, yeah, that's going to be a really, yeah, really, yeah. And, yeah. And when they go four wide, or when they, when yeah. you know, here's the good thing about Van Jefferson: he can play any position on the field. He can, he can play stretch. He can play yeah. uh, X. Not a, you know, he can play slot. Obviously, he's you know built for that. I mean, but yeah. he can play anywhere on the field. So he can spell any one of those three guys. He can, he can. Playing four wide, so they're they're going to be really really dangerous. Um, look, if Odell has, let me just say this loud and clear: if Odell has anything left at all, he will be fucking dope in that offense because there's plenty of room with Cup and Woods and and Henderson and the way that they put pressure on on the defense. He better fucking show up. Yeah, and you know what? He, I hope that he could go in there for. Three months, keep his mouth shut and just run routes. That's all you're asking. <laughs> right. like, like this, look, just run routes, dude. And literally, you could teach him now three routes in that tree. That's all he <laughs> right. has to learn. And let's but slant. Yeah, just I mean, fucking yeah. run slant. I mean, think about how many times yeah. we've seen Matthew Stafford throwing these like fucking laser beam yeah. slant routes on point, and like this team is going to have space because of the play action game. And oh, <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, it's going to be it's going he's going to be open, and if he's not open, he needs to fucking retire. Well, the yeah, and the the strategic advantage with Odell against the team's third cornerback is pretty absurd. Because yes, exactly. Cooper's going, Cup's going to get the number one defender. Robert Woods is at least the second best at this. You still got to think Woods is number two. Here's so, the point, though, John. Yeah. Some One of those three is getting the third. Oh, oh yeah, you one know. of those three, yes. One of those <laughs> you know. three, yes. And that's a mismatch, is my point. Someone's mismatch. getting the third, the third cover and not getting yeah. doubled, and someone's going to be single yeah. and on a two or three, and that's going to be yeah. a very good matchup for them. Again, Higby has been... Very good yeah, under the radar. Yeah. And, and you know what? It also, if they have an injury, knock on wood, which NFL could happen, it does give them depth at the position. So it makes yep. sense. Yep. Yes. Wow, good. I'm glad we got breaking news. That's good. Breaking news on the show. Everybody can now know that we're listening. We're Instant doing this show reaction. exactly. Instant reaction. That's awesome. Dude, that was sweet. That got me excited. I'm excited now for this Ram situation. Boy, boy. <laughs> I don't think it. I don't think it changes very much for anybody's outlook, really. Because except for Van Jefferson, I really believe like it's not like I, I don't think that OBJ is going to come in and like overtake Robert Woods' role. Do you? No, no. So I think there's enough strong leaders. So this is actually probably good for Odell. Yeah, 
His personality cannot overtake Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford. I bet you Cooper (laughs) Cup is more strong-willed than people will give him credit for. You have Whitfield, the the veteran tackle. I think there's enough strong personalities for three months to keep Odell. One of the problems in New York, looking back, I don't think they had a strong locker room and they allowed Odell to do. And I think that happened in Cleveland too. I think that I think maybe him and Baker bumped heads. I don't know exactly, but I don't think that can happen in three months in Los Angeles. Yeah. I think it was more Landry OBJ. Yes. Running the roost. And, you know, rather than, I, they certainly were on their own team versus being with Baker and, and look, Baker has, personality issues i'm not saying that he's a, it's negative i'm just saying like not everybody likes him you know what, you know uh, what i mean look i bet you there's a percentage of uh, baker didn't help anything let me say right. this baker doesn't make it better right you know he, he, it might right. not have been his fault but he, right. he wasn't making it better correct yeah i'm not even blaming him i'm just no, saying no, like it's, it's a leader and you and i have been around people enough with yeah. our jobs a leader does have to attempt to make it better to mend the roads between people. And I don't wow. think Baker could do that. Back to Malik Willis. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, that was fantastic. Uh, what a great, what a great interruption. Uh, but yeah, you know, Malik Willis. Okay, great. And, and, and so then you have Matt Corral who has been really, really good, by the way, Matt Corral looks like the cream of the crop. I wonder where he goes in the actual NFL draft. Doesn't appear he'll go one or two. I guess there's a couple stud, uh, you know, players there that are, that are going to go. It's very interesting because normally quarterbacks rise right to the top. So how high does he go? Is he actually the number one? Then you have the matchup tonight with Sam Howell, who Sam Howell, by the way, is the youngest uh, quarterback in the class at 21, just turned 21 years old. He is. You know he's been very good. He was he sort of led that team last year with Javante Williams, Michael Carter, uh, Diami Brown. But what's amazing is he's leading this team this year, and his rushing, uh, you know, his Konami code, so to speak, has has gone through the roof. He's going to be playing against Kenny Pickett tonight, the kid out of Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett, twenty three and a half years old, not exactly sure. Late breakout, right? Then you have guys like Carson Strong and Desmond Ritter. Uh, amongst others but just if you take those one three five six you have six quarterbacks uh i always say you know by the numbers you have basically two or three per class and that's it and even when we think we have five we usually have two or three per class looks like that's the truth with the uh lamar rosen darnold josh allen class there where baker Baker. right Right, that those five looks like there's three and maybe two and a half. There's Lamar and Josh Allen, and and Baker's kind of okay, and Rosen and Darnold are shit this year. You know, with the Mac Lawrence Lance Fields Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson seems to be eliminating himself early from contention. We'll see about all that, but rarely are there actually five. You know, good quarterback here. There's six, and they're all mediocre. I think at one point I had said that all six would have fallen behind in terms of my process, at least so far, behind the five last year. Maybe pretty close with with Zach Wilson, but maybe Corral over Zach Wilson, but it's pretty damn close. In other words, there's certainly not anybody le- uh, leveraging themselves to the front of that class. So that being said, what do you think about this, this incoming quarterback class 
And and how how do you how how are you looking at those guys? I have two first round grades. I won't tell you who yet. Four of them have second round grades. I will say this: when the process is done in April, three of these guys are going in the top five picks. <laughs> right. Just, I don't understand <laughs> why people don't get it. It's supply and demand. Right. Second of all, we all know the value of the rookie quarterback contract pushes these players up the board. Stop. Yes, Thibodeau should go number one. He's the best player in the nation. There's no question. It's like Miles Garrett with Cleveland the year they took Garrett. I think Thibodeau is in that group. However, you're the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. There is absolutely no way you can pass on a quarterback here. They are a disaster. <laughs> they are a disaster. Or, or you trade down. Trade. So, yes, that would be the spot. You know, they're so bad, they're probably going to take the quarterback and probably ruin, like, yes. I mean, they should trade down. Trade. I, I'm not taking the defensive lineman when I'm as bad as them. I'm not. I'm trading down. Trade surplus. Yeah, like, <clears throat> like just keep trading it. Yeah, like trade back to ten. Trade out of there. Trade again. Trade again. Like yes. never make a pick. Don't even make a fucking pick because your team so sucks bad. so bad. They're just so keep bad. trading for assets, and then when you think you're maybe kind of good, maybe then start making yeah. picks. You're yeah, in okay. no position to make a fucking pick. I'll tell They're you this awful. right now: if the Pittsburgh Steelers knocked on the door and said to me, "I'll give you three number ones, or two number ones and two number twos," I'm taking it. I'm taking right. it. Right. And and Pittsburgh is a ready – here's the deal. Pittsburgh is a ready-made team. They're yeah. going to draft the quarterback. I'm not sure who it is yet. We can talk about that. But they're drafting a quarterback at the end of the first round or they're trading up. There's – Roethlisberger is toast. <laughs> Mason Rudolph is not the answer. Neither is Dwayne Haskins. So Pittsburgh – but they're a ready-made team. They're yeah. like Mac Jones going to Bill Belichick. Yep. Like he, he, whoever steps into that, I'm not saying they'll be great, but they won't suck. And they right. have a great coach, a great organization, and they have talent around them. So let's get back to our, my early. These are not finalized. No way. Can't these be are, finalized. These are grades, not rankings. Second round picks. These are my four Willis, Ritter, Strong. And pick it. Yep, I'm with you. Second rounders in my book. Love that. There is a huge knock on every one of them. I'll give you the quick synopsis. Malik Willis is not ready to throw from the pocket. And you can't. Now, yes, we all want Lamar Jackson. I get it. You can't force the comp. Lamar Jackson at Louisville was a much better thrower from the pocket than Malik Willis is right now. Absolutely. And I can't – anyone who tells you Willis is more athletic than Lamar, you can't say that. He's playing in the group of five. Right. He's at Liberty. Lamar Jackson did it against ACC programs for two years. And Lamar Jackson was as athletic and talented as any quarterback I've ever seen. So he, he I, you can't tell me Willis is more athletic. And he's not the thrower that Jackson is. 
and John and John and John, you yes. can you you say what you will about the shit Bo Nix situation and all, that, oh, but he he was at Auburn and couldn't climb over Jarrett Stidham or anybody. Yeah. Like he had to transfer or transferred and didn't transfer to like Alabama or like Texas. He transferred to Liberty. Look, I don't know. I don't even know the story, but I just that happened. Yeah, yeah. Look, so I have a second round grade. There is no way I'm putting my franchise based upon a young man who can't throw from pocket right now. Right. I can't do it. So that that second one, Ritter, love him. Yeah, he's not a gamer. People, I probably because I I'm in Connecticut. I love the American Athletic Conference. I've had Ritter on my college fantasy football team for four years. I've probably seen Ritter play 18 games. He is not a first-round talent. The arm strength is not there. The accuracy is not there. I think he has the leadership, and he has the athletic ability. But if you're telling me, you know how we were talking about Baker? He's a Baker Mayfield light. He is not a first-round talent. Would I like him to be? Yes, I like him. I like watching him. He's not. Maybe I'm a hard grader, my friend. He is not. No, you're not. He's not a first-round talent. Agreed. Carson Strong, I can't draft an immobile quarterback in the first round anymore. Not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. The guy has negative career rushing yards. He literally cannot run. He, I mean, which is – he is Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers. If yep. Carson Strong was coming out in 1999 or 2004, I would make the argument he's a top five pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. In today's NFL – if you cannot escape these outside linebackers and safeties like Jamal Adams, you're in big trouble. Yep. You're just not going. I, he's a second round pick. Yes, the arm strength is off the hook. Love the arm strength. Love him at Nevada. He's a statue. I yep. can't. I've got to get a, at least a quarterback to avoid. Here's the thing. Marino had no legs at the end. But Marino had pocket presence who could always avoid the pass rush. Part of it, he, he plays at Nevada. So you don't necessarily see the big-time pass rushers. It's a Mountain West program. Mountain West, when was the last time you saw an outside linebacker, defensive end dominate the NFL? Right. I have never seen Carson right. Strong deal with a Miles Garrett coming around the corner like he did at Texas a right. I don't know if Carson Strong... Can do it. I li- like one of the things I liked about Burrow coming out of LSU. He dealt with the biggest defensive opponents. He could manipulate the pocket. He avoided the pass rush. I don't see that out of Carson Strong. I don't. Maybe he can, my friend, but I'm not banking a first round pick on that. No. And Kenny Pickett. He's a late Ooh. bloomer. Yes. His story is as good of a story. As this year there has, and he's been incredible, my friend. I can't wait to watch him again. I've watched his last three games live, taking notes, incredible. His career numbers are going to be good. I haven't plugged them all in, but this year's numbers in my model are off the charts, dude. Everything, completion percentage, touchdown interception ratio, quarterback rating, average yard per attempt, Everything is off the charts. I mean, literally, he's having that Kyle Mur- Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield type of season. Just silly, 
numbers. But career-wise, eh, and I haven't plugged in the career numbers. They're not going to be as good. And he's a late bloomer. What did you say? He's 23 and a half right now? Yeah. That's a concern. So yeah. second round grade for me. And I love the player. Yeah, he's a fifth year, he's a fifth year senior. And I mean, that's a problem kind of, right? You know, I mean Yes. Am I going to bank my franchise on a fifth year senior? I no. I don't think I can. So Brandon Whedon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he, I, I know the <laughs> analogy. I do think he's better than Whedon, but I understand what you're saying. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That's a fair kind of like that's what happened to Whedon. <laughs> I'll say this the only two that I think are worth it. And if you've been listening, you probably figured it out by now. It's Howell and Corral. With you. I have no question about Sam Howell. I've said this before, and I'm actually happy with this season. I'm a believer. I like quarterbacks who go through adversity. I do. I know it's a narrative. And I said this last year. Howell is losing everyone. Literally everyone. Michael <laughs> Carter, Javonta Williams, Diami Brown, Daz. and um, who's the other? The Daz. Um, what? Daz. Daz. Daz Newsom. Yep. And he lost like three offensive linemen. You know what? I found a fighter. Yep. I fi- I don't understand what people are not seeing. First of all, people. Let me just say this first. Sam Howell has always been mobile. Watch the god darn film. What is wrong? People are like, wow, Sam Howell's mobile. He's always been mobile. What is, the, I mean, literally, like, people are waking up like they're enlightened to the guys. Have you never watched him before this season? Now, I'm not saying he's not Lamar Jackson, but look at the rushing numbers. He's always been mobile. But when you have Michael Carter, and Javonta Williams, you don't have to be mobile. You dump the ball down. Well, he doesn't have those two now. So what is he doing? He's running with his legs, which I'm glad. You know what? I like the fact they're five and four. You know what I like even more? The young man is fighting. He's slinging. He's not giving up. I don't see an ounce of insecurity in his game. I don't care that they're five and four. This is good for him. I want a quarterback. What is the problem with Zach Wilson? No adversity. Never played anybody. Yep. Never faced pressure. Yep. Yep. And and he was a one-year wonder. Look at what's happened. What happened to Sam Darnold? Too young. Easy job at USC. Can't can't. I mean, we talked about, but well, and 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 I'll say this. First of all, you, you listen, you listen, you people. If I catch any of you on Twitter saying that Sam Howell wasn't mobile before, I'm gonna get fucking John to come to your house. Yeah, and you just sure. heard, you just heard the goddamn fire you're gonna get. So just fucking be warned, all right? Be warned, damn it. I mean, right. I've been watching Sam Howell for three years. I, I didn't. I whoever these people are that hurt you, I'm coming after him. This I is mean, bullshit, John. They're like, oh, your side. <laughs> they're like, oh wow, Sam Howell's mobile. I'm like, have you not watched? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, if 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 you are making this statement now that I'm ranking a quarterback, you better have watched him. I'm yeah. sorry. Now, you want to do the numbers analysis in March? I'm okay with that. I'm not saying the numbers can't lead you to conclusions. 
Well, you better not be saying crap when his career isn't even over yet. John, I may be I may be guilty here. You know? I may be guilty. I just want to apologize to no. you formally. I I'm only teasing, brother. I'm only teasing. Okay, I'm having I mean, fun. But like I literally hear this, like I just hear ridiculous stuff. Like, literally, like, have you never watched? Yes. Has he taken a leap up? He scored five rushing touchdowns last year. He had 146 yards, but you know why? He had a better team. He's running because they have to, my friend. He's yes. running because he was always athletic. Like, he, there was never a question about his athletic. Rushing statistics are not your only quantifier of athleticism. For sure it's not. However, I will say yeah. I will say this, John. Yeah. The, the propensity and the ability to run the football effectively has been oh. proven. And oh, if you were a believe, if you proof. were if you were a believer in his athleticism coming into the year, oh. you've been you've been proven right because he has been outstanding. Well, that's uh, why he's you my know. number one. I because ah. I like the fact that he's gone through adversity. I don't want you know, I really believe this. Lamar is so good by playing at Louisville, never won a national title, never felt entitled. And two, he's lost two big playoff games. That is the best thing. You know what? He is working harder. He's improved his deep passing because these are motivating factors for greatness. Lamar is earning it. Everyone's, oh, he is, look at man. Troy Aikman, John Elway lost playoff games. They all lose playoff games, the great ones, early. Once in a while, you get Joe Montana, okay? There's not very many Joe Montanas. There's not very – and now look at what's happening to Patrick Mahomes. He's facing NFL adversity for the first time, and he's not dealing with it very well. It's kind of fun to watch, actually. But because he's had such success – he doesn't want to change. Well, you know what? He's got to change. And we'll see. He might in the offseason. Who knows? But that. But I love this for Sam Howell. This is the best thing that could happen in my analysis. He is fighting. And what? that's why tonight is so important. You don't think he knows this narrative around Kenny Pickett right now? Right. Come on. Like, we forget. Like, is there a better driver of narrative than Tom Brady? There is no man who who spins narrative to his psychological and mental advantage than Tom Brady. If Sam Howell is the quarterback that I think he is, this is the there you go. <laughs> we got this is a narrative game. What does he want to show the nation? I'm better than Kenny Pickett. This Look it, man, you can't be the number one pick if you aren't motivated to beat Kenny Pickett or at least outplay him tonight. Yeah. Kenny Pickett, you can call him by his name, Kenny fucking Pickett. You can call him by his name, Kenny fucking Pickett. No, I'm only only teasing. Go ahead. I think we found where Mr. Lobb's passion lies, and it's in college football. It is so much fun. We are absolutely killing it. He is having – I love this, by the way. So tell me about Matt Corral and his athleticism. No, I'm only joking. But, no, Matt Corral does have some athleticism. So tell me about about, um, uh, Matt Corral. Go for it, buddy. 
I like, I have Matt Corral first round draft pick. I've been banging the drum now for over 14 months. Big Matt Corral guy. The feet. I love Matt Corral's feet. And I am a little bit of the old Bill Walsh school. I start at the quarterback position with the feet. You know why I don't like Carson Strong? The feet are a disaster. You want to know why I like um, Matt Corral? The feet are solid. He manipulates the pocket. Now, people have always said Matt Corral was athletic, and he clearly is. But you know why? They look at the rushing numbers. <laughs> That's basically why people think he's super athletic, and he is. I think Matt Corral might have a little stronger arm than Sam Howell. But I do think Sam Howell's a little bit better of a pocket passer. You know how you were talking about Malik Willis not having any ability I think Sam Howell, because I still want my quarterback to be able to throw from the pocket. I do want him to escape the pass rush and move around, but I still want him to be able to sit there from the pocket and throw the football. But there are some great statistics with Matt Corral that I like. One, 53 to 20 touchdown interception ratio over his career. I'm looking for three to one. That's nice. It's their SEC competition. I also put it into context. He had that awful game against Arkansas. He had six interceptions. There was some, look it, he had a bad day. You take out those six interceptions as a blip on the radar, and his numbers look better. And you know what I like about Matt Corral? The coaching staff never took him out. They let him fight through the adversity, and he started the next week. He had the worst game you could possibly imagine against Arkansas in 2020. And he stayed in the game. The coaching staff didn't pull him. You know what that tells me? The coaching staff believes in him. Most quarterbacks at the college level, when they throw their fourth interception, the coach is just going to call a timeout. You know, they're just going to take the kid and say, you know what? It's not your day. It's a bat. Let's sit on the sideline. Just just get it. But you know what? They let him fight. And I love that. And then he started the next week. And he played again. Take out those six interceptions. The numbers look even better. 9.4 yards a pass. And yards per attempt can be deceiving. Because you can have game breakers who get a lot of yak yardage. And he had some of that with Elijah Moore last year. And that's why he had 10.2 last year. Elijah Moore would take a five-yard pass and get 30 yards out of it. So his numbers were 10.3. Put it into context. He had a home run game breaker. This year he doesn't have it. But you know what? He's averaging 9.3. That's good. Also, you have to understand, Mississippi's wide receiver core this year, my friend, has completely fallen apart. They're a disaster. They are complete disaster at wide receiver. Almost every one of them, the top three guys, have all been injured at one time or another. And Matt Corral is making it happen. That's why his rushing statistics are higher and they're 10 touchdowns on the ground. He doesn't have the playmakers because of injuries around him. And the NFL loves the SEC, my friend. People look at The NFL loves the SEC. He plays in the SEC. 
What what's he, he's going to end up probably with thirty starts against SEC competition in his career. I mean, it's all there, and the athleticism on film is unbelievable. Those are the two first rounders right now, and, and, and I like Howell better. But I think it's very close. And if you ask me in March, maybe I have Corral higher. I've still got to do my film work. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100%. Uh, it, I, you know, I did the, I, I guess, famously or not famously, depending on how you look at it, uh, the anatomy series for uh, prospects. And, you know, I tried to evaluate what, uh, what a, 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 a prospect looks like. In other words, what do our top tier players look like? And in that anatomy series, I looked at um, uh, with quarterbacks, it was like first round draft capital was very important early first round draft capital, even more important, uh, which just sort of is obvious that first of all, they're going to be highly invested in. So therefore they're going to get the, the leash, i.e. Josh Allen, you know, if Josh Allen were a second or third round pick, he would have been not starting after his first season. He just wouldn't have been given that, that rope. Um, but he was given it for two seasons and then finally broke out. Uh, so that's that first round draft draft cap, uh, Matt Corral should have that. When we look at college yards per attempt, we like to see a, a a career YPA over eight and a season over eight and a half. Um, uh, Corral is going to be at nine four right now, and his best season is ten two, so That's well impressive. over. Yep, very impressive. And I like to correlate the yards per attempt with completion percentage and make sure that they're both there. You know, want want a guy that's throwing with good completion percentage and pushing the ball down the field. And when you have a high completion percentage, it obviously does raise your yards per attempt because you're having fewer zeros in there. So you like to see uh, with a high completion percentage, you like to see that uh, YPA get up there. And like I said, at 9-4-10-2, that's really good. His completion percentage, career 67. Uh, last year was at 71. So all very, very good. I also look for best college season to eclipse 3,500 passing yards and 35 total touchdowns. Well, last year he was at 33. He's not done yet. He's only at uh, 2,500 uh, this year, but um, you know he did have, uh, I think, uh, yeah, he did have 35 touchdowns last year. This year he's gonna be at about 26 so far. So you know he's not quite as prolific as I'd like to see. Uh, that QBR over 80, he's done that. Best season over 400 rushing yards. He's had two seasons over 400 rushing yards. Uh, interception rate, as you brought up, below 2.75%. Right now he's at 2.5%, even with that shitty game of six interceptions and that sort of uh, outlier season last year of 14 picks. This year he's only at two, I believe. Yep. Yeah, he's 16 um, and two. He's improved this year. Exactly. So I, all that is good. And then when you look at, um, you know, uh, total, com- uh, excuse me, attempts over 600, he's at just about 800 now. So he he's going to check every single box of the anatomy series. So he's going to, he's going to be just, uh, just, uh, under the, under the mark on a few of them, but he's going to be pretty close. So again, not an elite, elite prospect, but he does qualify. And if he's a little bit better than, you know, than we've given him credit for, perhaps he is, uh, you know, uh, uh, an NFL starter for many years. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I think those two will go in the top five. Now, someone might reach up, you know, it always takes one team to fall in love with a player. Yep. I could see a team falling in love with Malik Willis based on raw athleticism. I would say that's a reach. 
but and we know the quarterback spot is you know they get about right 50 percent of the time like it's not but I would not make that on Malik Wills I would prefer a second round like I have no problem if I'm the Steelers and I could get Desmond Ritter or Kenny Pickett late first round because we know they're desperate at quarterback right right that would be okay <laughs> Um, but I don't want one of those in the top five or 10. No, I'm with you hundred percent. You know, speaking of, Hey, John, speaking of these, uh, these rookie quarterbacks and, and, uh, I, I, you're maybe the perfect person to ask. You play a lot of college football, this whole thing with Mike white and the backup quarterback of Zach Wilson, uh, the now best highest profile backup quarterback in the league, Zach Wilson. I love trolling Jets fans, as you know. Uh, we're both from the East Coast, and uh, you know, being a Patriots fan, nothing sweeter than trolling Jets fans. Are you a Jets fan, first of all? I am not actually. I'm a Broncos fan. Okay, all right. Well, you hold over me in the uh, the that 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 AFC Championship game where uh, uh, fuck, what was the tight end that chased down Champ Bailey on the goal line? That game oh, in Denver was oh uh, Ben Watson. Ben, ben Watson, Watson, yeah, dude, that game was fucking unbelievable. Yeah, he should have. I think I do think to this day he tackled him short of the goal. Right, oh, it was, a it was so good, yeah. so good. Anyway, sorry, game. I just that game was. Uh, I mean, intense. I remember that game. We were having a company Christmas party, and I had just moved to the West Coast. What year was that? Like uh, seven or yes. something like. Jake Plummer, I think, was the quarterback of Denver that year. I could be wrong. I think that's Jake Plummer because yeah, Jake Bailey. Yeah, yes. And I'm sitting there watching this game while, like, you know, people are having this, like, Christmas party around me. They don't give a shit. It's Denver and New England. Like, you know, I'm in California. Nobody, And I'm, like, swearing and fucking firing bottles all over the place. And people are like, what is wrong with this guy? I'm like, just leave me alone. Anyway, I remember it. I was in this fucking basement fucking party area. Well, I was just – I can't – I'll never forget that game. <laughs> Denver, congratulations. You obviously hold over the New England Patriots for the last 20 years. Um, joking. But this Mike White – Zach Wilson thing, like I've argued that it is not inconceivable that Mike White is simply a better NFL quarterback than Zach Wilson. I'm not ready to claim that. I'm just saying it's not it's a non-zero percent chance. You've watched these guys in college or at least scouted them to some degree. I mean, Mike White flew under the radar. I mean, he's a fifth round pick, but is this a crazy notion to think that it's possible? It's not a crazy notion. Now, the draft capital argument will keep Zach Wilson in the conversation no matter what. The Bingo. Jet, the Jets are not going to give up and say, we made that big of a mistake that <laughs> quick. That's right. Let, let's go back. 6'4", 225 coming out of Western Kentucky. I remember Mike White playing at South Florida. He originally yep. was a bull. I'm a big American Athletic Conference fan. The Bulls were very good about six, seven years ago from a fan, college fancy football. If you remember, Quentin Flowers was a stud. He was a dual-threat quarterback. Great. So I remember him there. He had a good year at South Florida, but he transfers. This is They had to do the red shirt or the, the sit-down. Take a year off, yeah. He comes back, and this year, look at the numbers. If your model – his junior year, he was great. 37-7 touchdown interception, 10.5 yards per attempt. Yes. 4,300 yards and a 181 rating. All yeah. the charts. Now, what happened? Western Kentucky, just, what you know, these group of five programs, 
just like North Carolina, the program a little bit, the team wasn't as good. Now, Mike White also didn't play as well. 26 to 8 touchdown interception ratio, 140. And they started to dump the ball off, seven and a half yards per attempt. So when you put the two seasons together, they're good. They're good. The film and the athleticism and the arm strength was there. But again, it's the Hilltoppers. It, it was that right. wide open spread, spread offense, right? They're just throwing four receivers, three receivers, getting them in one-on-one matchups, scheming their running backs for big plays. So you never were sure, but he was a fifth-round pick by Dallas. Sometimes you have to give these players, hey, he kept learning, he kept fighting. I'm not surprised that he's embracing the offense better. Zach Wilson has the big arm. He wants to throw it down the field. Mike White, who's fought and struggled. Yes. Let me dump the ball. Yes. He's doing it. Now, when defenses make an adjustment, can Mike White go to the middle of the field with more consistency? Because eventually you're just going to take your defensive ends and linebackers and say, literally, knock the running back down. Take them out of the play. The Bill Belichick, Willie McGinnis against Marshall Falk. The greatest strategy ever. Yeah, I mean, just literally do not give. That game was amazing. Yeah, do not give Mike White the dump off. Yeah. Like, that will happen. I don't know when. It is going to happen. Can Mike White make the adjustment and say, okay, now they're giving me the middle of the field. Can I throw that ball 10 yards down in the middle of the field? We'll find out. Right. Does he have the arm strength? Yes. Do I think he's capable of it? Yes. I think there's a possibility. I tend to think Mike White's going to end up somewhere else. Only because of the draft capital argument, the Jets will not admit they missed on another quarterback. 100%. Darnold that fast. So I think Mike White is really playing for the next contract, the next team right now. Which I have, to, I have to ask you real quick. I have to ask you real quick. Yeah. You had quarterback rankings coming into this year, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like you do now. Like you have the first round, yeah. grade, second round, yeah, all that shit, right? I have to ask you. I'm on record. I have a fucking podcast. I said it. Yeah, yeah. I would have taken Justin Fields at number two. That's who I would have taken. Not Mac Jones. Now, if I redo it, I mean, take Mac Jones, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I would I would take Justin Fields at number two. Who would you have taken at number two? Do you remember or do you have it on record? No, no, I, I will always – I would have taken Zach Wilson. Okay. I, I was a Zach Wilson believer, and I knew the competition wasn't as strong. I love the athleticism. I love the arm strength. I, I watched a ton of him because remember we had the pandemic. BYU was on television a lot very early. So I picked up on Zach Wilson last September. Yet another another thing that the fucking uh, pandemic fucked up, your evaluation of Zach Wilson. I blame the pandemic. Yes. So I'm not willing either yet. Now, I will say this. He has not made the adjustments yet, which concerns me. 
However, maybe by sitting, like I'm a believer, sometimes sitting on the bench can be a really good learning experience. Yeah. Maybe watching Mike, what Mike White throw these dump offs and move yes. offense. Maybe Zach Wilson, I'm hoping that he's learning. That's now the only people who know that are the Jets coaching staff because they can see him in the film rooms and see like as a teacher, you can tell when the young adult is interested in the learning process. Yes. I think good coaches can also. So is Zach Wilson going into the film room? Is he asking questions? Mike, why did you do that? Mike, why did like, if he's a learner, which I don't know because I haven't been with the young man. Right. If he's a learner, the number one thing he's doing right now is asking questions. Well, Why look, is hey, John. Good? Yeah. John, John, I will tell you, the the, the evaluation of, of Zach Wilson's pretty straightforward. I mean, when you watch him play, he's able to throw the ball Every in time. ways that only like literally like 2% of NFL quarterbacks in history can throw it. Like. Yeah. That's the that's the evaluation. So it's like, look, we'll just give you that with a young kid who's like 21 years old, and and then you guys fucking figure it out, coaches. You know, like the GM's like, I, I gave yeah. you the guy with the howitzer missile on his fucking right shoulder. You teach him what, where to fucking throw it. Like, yes. you know, one of the things I I criticized the Jets of this off season was not having a Josh McCown type of backup. You I know, agree. the guy that had no aspirations of being a fucking starter. I mean, you know, sure. If he came in, if he goes in, he's going to fucking be pumped up and, and he's like, fired up. but he was not like a fighting for his job. He's a, he's okay. Being a teaching backup veteran court. There was no veteran. Now it turns out, that, I mean, I remember I asked a few weeks ago before Mike White ever played, I was on the pod and I said, who the fuck is their backup? And someone was like, it's Josh Johnson. I'm like, fuck it. Hey, who knew? And it wasn't even, that was incorrect. It was Mike white. We didn't fucking even know who the backup was is the point. And so them not having a quality backup. Now it turns out they actually had a quality backup, but that's not what I meant. I meant a guy who's a veteran. We did not know Mike white could be Mike white. (laughs) That's my point. And so I thought that that what you're saying is exactly right. Like it stunted the Zach Wilson growth by not having the guy goes, look, man, when you see that fucking this, eh, you got to just go to the tight end. That's your fucking read because you can't, you know, all these learning, like you say, there's a lot to it, man. It isn't just, can you make the throw? Cause he can make the fucking throw. That has been proven of the throw. No. And so sometimes if he's, Maybe if he's not asking questions, there's other learners who are listeners. Yeah. And maybe if he had a veteran quarterback who would list, who would say, Zach, you've got to have an internal clock. Right. One, two, three, get rid of the ball. <clears throat> this isn't BYU. You right. cannot hold that ball for four seconds. You've got to. But maybe – Mike White didn't have the veteran experience to say that. Or who's Mike White? Why would Zach Wilson listen to him? Right. Absolutely. We don't know, right? So there are things that good coaches intuitively do like (laughs) teachers. And there are different types of learners. I don't know what type of learner Zach Wilson is. 
Yeah, I mean, when Mike White you know, pipes up and starts talking to Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson looks at him and is like, not now, Chief, I'm in the zone. Just fucking that's, sit down. That's the problem, right? Yeah. Like, who are you? Yeah. Right? Um, so th- there's a huge difference there. Now, the Jets coaching staff, if they're good, and I don't know, I assume, but if they're good, they know by now what type of learner Zach Wilson is. And they also know, how do I motivate him? Is he a positive reinforcement learner? Or can you do negative? Remember Bill Parcells with Phil Sims. Phil Sims could take the negative criticism all day long. I will say this. (laughs) Knowing most of this generation, they're not good at that. Right. That's, they've grown up in a different world. But the Jets coaching staff should have figured it out by now if they're a good coaching staff. What type of learner is he and what type of criticism or how do I motivate him? And that's they and they're so they're going to really dictate the outcome of his career because they need to make this player better. So here's here's the here's the dynasty question. You know, we're wondering where Zach Wilson is. So if if you're a dynasty manager, would you prefer – you ready for this now? Yeah, yeah. You, would you prefer in a super flex dynasty, super flex, Zach Wilson or Daniel Jones? Oh, Zach Wilson. I've had okay. enough of Daniel Jones. I've seen enough. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's evident that Daniel Jones is not the quarterback. And he's had I think he's had over 35 starts. I mean, there's a there's a long history of lack of success with Daniel Jones. Fair enough. Well, hey, by the way, welcome to New York football. Go fuck yourself, New York. I'm just I'm just kidding. You know, I'm from Boston, I gotta say. It. Uh, uh, Zach Wilson or Derek Carr in Dynasty? Zach Wilson. Okay. I've seen okay. enough of Derek. Derek Carr has a – he's the epitome of your average quarterback. Nothing wrong with it. He'll have some big weeks, but then he throws a clunker like he did last week. He just tried – like he's not getting to a Super Bowl. He's not going to have 35 touchdowns. Like he is what he is, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's an NFL starter. But okay. Zach Wilson's upside, I'm going to go for it. Zach Wilson – or Baker Mayfield? Baker. I've seen more success over a longer. But Zach will have a – he has a higher ceiling. Okay. Zach Wilson or Tua? Oh, Zach Wilson right now. I'm very worried about Tua's injuries. Okay. I don't understand what's going on. Now, this is an interesting one. I, th- I th- In Dynasty Superflex, Mac Jones or Zach Wilson? Ooh. So I had Mac Jones at number four. I always said he was a first-round pick. I had a first-round grade on him. I went on Sirius XM last November on Fantistics, and I told everyone Zach Wilson is – or, I mean, um, Mac Jones is a first-rounder. And, no, I, I just had watched enough film, and I knew what the NFL people would like out of um, uh, Jones. Um, I'm going to go Jones because he's got Belichick in the better organization. There's less yeah. risk with the organization. The Jets there, are a terrible organization. There's also in Superflex. So in a one quarterback league, you could make an argument for Zach Wilson because yes, the upside is still there. 
you know, and, and Mac, Mac Jones seems to have a pretty limited upside, at least in the short term. But the floor is fucking solved. Mac Jones is a yeah. fucking good, good NFL quarterback. Whether he's a great one or not, we don't know yet. Yes, but he is not play. a shitbag. He, he is should, not a shitbag. Yeah, he should play for you every week. Knock on wood, he's healthy. Yep. And he's a great number two quarterback in a super flex. Great. Yep. Especially going forward, yeah. it's a solved equation. He's fucking gonna be fine. Yeah, he's not. He's not gonna fuck it all up. Yes. Uh, this is more fun. Ready? In in, <laughs> I love this question. You can't even get the question out. <laughs> in in dynasty, Mike White or Taylor Hineke? Um, <laughs> it's so stupid. I know. I will say Mike White because I think he has a chance to be a starter. I think the narrative on Heineke is he's a he's a backup, and I don't see a team giving the controls of their offense to Heineke. I do think if Mike White has another successful game, or he plays two or three more decent games. I think there will be a team that takes a shot on him. This is this gets harder, by the way. Mike White or Ryan Fitzpatrick? I'm going to go White because Fitzpatrick's old and who knows. And yeah, I'll go Mike White. All right, ready? It gets a little harder. Yeah. Mike White or Marcus Mariota? Whoa, um, boy! That's like where he's not, at. This is know. crazy. I'm probably going to go to Marcus because I think he'll get another shot. It's so close. It's All so right. close, but he'll probably get a shot down the road. What do you think about Mike White? I mean, he's literally the starter right now. Mike White or Tyrod Taylor? Oh, Mike White. I'm done with Tyrod Taylor. Okay, Mike White, Gardner Minshew. <gasps> Gardner is the epitome of average. I don't think he could. Oh, man. So close, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's right in there. So, okay, so just for the record, that puts Mike White somewhere at quarterback 32 to 36, depending on how you shake everything else out. Uh, I got, I, let's go here while we're at it because this is interesting. My dynasty people love this shit because this is what I'm trying to always figure out. Yeah. I think that's about right. I've got him right in between Gardner and Marcus Mariota right have now. Physical tools. He does yeah. have the tools. It's so it's so difficult to put him here, you know. You know, it's like even guys like Trubisky and Sam Ellinger and Drew Locke. Like, oh, I'll take did, Mike White right now just because I've seen. Me too. I've got him ahead. Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. I moved him ahead. Now, okay. Oh, this is not on the show sheet. We didn't even talk about this. <laughs> this is a guy I have below all those guys. Jordan, see you later. Love. I fucking saw this coming. I I should fucking take my victory lap right now because I've been on Twitter saying Jordan Love is going to be terrible. One of the reasons is is he threw interceptions like he like he was trying to do so at the college level, which has always translated to negativity at the pro level and it did not look good. I don't think he's ready, but I also don't think he'll ever be ready. Give me Davis Mills over Jordan Love. Get the fuck out of here, Jordan Love. You with me or against me here? I have to be with you because I was very low. I think I had Jordan Love number five or six because of the interception ratio, and he made too many mental mistakes. Well, again, so I don't know the play called. Perceived mental. Yes, 
perceived mental errors in his progressions and his confidence in his arm, which was overconfident. But the interest, I'm a big guy, and obviously I can tell you believe in it too. I yes. love the touchdown interception ratio. And you're right, combine it with the completion percentage. To me, illustrates football smarts. I don't yes. use the word intelligence because I don't know if they've read, you know, James Madison or not. But they <laughs> right. football smarts, and that is what I'm looking for. And Jordan Love never gave me football smarts that I saw. Right. I am with you. Jordan Love, get the hell out of here. And he get out of here. Power five. Get the hell out of here, Jordan Love. Yeah, and he didn't even dominate like Travis or like um, Wilson. Zach Wilson. Right, he I agree. Even, he didn't dominate. All right, so now we got to talk about uh, my man Cam Newton. Where yes. do we put him in Dynasty? Like, I assume you'd want Cam Newton over all of the Marcus Mariota, Gardner Minshew, Ryan Fitzpatrick types? Probably, because you know what I would do right now? I'm trading Newton because the value's higher now than sure. It's That's what I would do. Yes. Yes. If I now, if someone gave me Cam Newton for Marcus Mariota, I would take Cam Newton. Right. That's probably right. You're holding this quarterback, and someone yeah. offers you Cam Newton for that quarterback. Would you accept the trade? That's the way to go. Because you're right. If you're holding Cam, sell him for some shit because yeah. this is your opportunity. That's right. I'm with you there. I agree with that, but you're holding Cam Newton and I offer – wait, no, you're holding this quarterback and I offer you Cam Newton. All right, you ready? Yes. Yeah. So, Taysom Hill. Yes, Newton. Jimmy Garoppolo. Newton. Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, Newton. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Roethlisberger's toast. He's right? Like- Jameis Winston. I got to go Jameis because I still <laughs> think I think with Sean Payton, I think there's some hope. And I do think Jameis improved. Wasn't he like 14 to 2 touchdown to interception ratio? Like, Bro, was- it's so crazy. I have I have, I have it Jameis, Cam, Ben, and Jimmy right now at 30, 31, 32, 33. So you fucking hit, hit it. But let me give you a couple others that are, are yeah, super. Yeah. Uh, and this is, this is interesting. I mean, I think you've got to Cam Newton or Sam Darnold. You see, I think Sam's a backup now. I'm going to go Cam. Me too. I think I got to move Cam down. I got to move him down. Like where? Behind he's Taysom going, Hill? Here's oh, my thing. God. He's going to definitely oh. start again in his career. Yes. Cam Newton's going to start again. I can't yep. say that with Sam Darnold. No, that's true. So, okay. So, I mean, you can't go above like Goff or Bridgewater or no, do you? No, no. Got to have right? no. Yeah. So, he's right there. Cam Newton – uh quarterback 30 because I don't think you can put him ahead of Teddy Goff you know Ryan Cousins Carr you can't you just can't so he's right there he's the perfect number three quarterback in a super flex perfect because he's going to you know what he's got a job now for a long time yep he does because you know what now what's going to happen they're going to look at what happened with Sam Darnold and look how good Teddy was last year and they're going to be like you know and he's been good with Denver Teddy can play. I think he's Derek Carr. Like he's never going to be great. Yeah. But as a number three super flex, you're in love with Teddy Bridgewater. Absolutely. Yep. I've got Lam- I've got a Lamar Aaron Rodgers team with Teddy, and That's I love perfect. it. Yeah, I love it. Like you, you know, play, you had to play Teddy last week. 
Exactly. Right? Exactly. What's wrong with that? Exactly right. By the way, I also have Zach Wilson on that team, and I'm ready to fucking throw him off a bridge just for the. <laughs> 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 boom! Off the fucking bridge. Get out of here, fucking Zach Wilson. You and your mom. Boom! Off the bridge. You know what I mean? The mom. But anyway, I'm not in love with that's for sure. But that's <laughs> so good. good. Oh I I like the mom better than I like Zach. I mean, I'm just gonna tell. You. Give me that mother. Bring her over to me. Anyway, this is not that type of show. Um, but what I – all right, so now two players that I think I, I've got to talk about because we've been seeing the video snippets. We've been seeing some 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 quotes from Sean McVay about he's coming back. Cam Akers. Tell me how excited. I love them coming out. I think I had him at number four maybe. At running back in that class, he was the JD. He was a Dobbins class, right? Yeah, it was Taylor Swift, Dobbins, Akers, yeah, so had Ceh. I had Ceh. I think below Acres, but it was close. But I definitely had Dobbins, Taylor, Swift. and um, Swift above him. Um, I would like to buy at the right price. I do think. There is a now uh, – no one's mentioning this. I am happily paying a 22 first for Acres. Happily. It, Boom. You know, I – so here's the problem. Darrell Henderson's playing well. Yeah. They're not going to get rid of Darrell Henderson immediately. Nope. And he's going to have a role. So I think that might cap Acres' upside a little, at least in the short term. Agree. And I don't know about the injury. So I would be willing to pay a second, not a first. Because I am, there's two hurdles. I don't know. I saw, wasn't he on some, I think I saw pictures of him running, right? They were posted. Yeah. So I saw that. But that doesn't mean medically you're cleared. But yes, it's a positive sign. Love the film. Loved him before he got injured, obviously. But then Henderson's good. It's not great, but he's good. Um, so I think that might cap his upside in my book. Yeah, I, look, his upside was... Obviously, literally the ceiling yes, coming I mean, into the season before he tore his Achilles. He yeah. was literally, I mean, I, I had tweeted that he'll be the number one overall pick in non-superflex leagues, you know, this offseason, this coming offseason, because of how, well, the season he was going to have uh, here in L.A. And I know Justin Boone was going on a podcast before the injury and saying his hot take was that Cam Akers was going to be the number one overall running back in in uh, in 2021. So, you know, we were all kind of seeing the potential of what Cam Akers could be in this offense. We're seeing it right now with Darrell Henderson. Um, yes. And because Darrell Henderson exists, it does necessarily cap the upside of Cam Akers going forward, at least in the short term. I agree. However, coming off the injury, maybe the upside being capped is fine. Maybe he's in a 60-40 split. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, I'm okay with that. In a high-powered offense, you know, 50 to 60% of an offense is still pretty darn good. Um, yes. You know, so I, I think he's okay. I wish the upside was a little bit more in the short term. But, you know what, I think he's still only like 21 years old. I mean, this kid is super young. He's got plenty of years in front of him. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I am buying Cam Akers, and I think his his overall ceiling as a as an RB one is there. Oh, I the the ceiling is there. 
Absolutely. That I agree with you. I mean, I'm lucky. I got them on two dynasty teams that I've been able to sit on. Oh, my God. One draft flash. I know I, no one cares, but I did get one Everybody draft cares. where I had Jonathan Taylor at number one. I was rebuilding, and I got Cam Akers at number five. So yeah. I'm very happy for that team. I have I have a lot of Jonathan Taylor Cam Akers teams, yeah. and before the season, I was you know so happy, I was, right? I was unzipping my pants, I was pulling my pants down, and then the Cam Akers news, and I had to pull them right back up. I had yeah. to be careful, you know. I, I thought be, I was, oh, you know, it's ironic on that team. I have Devonta Freeman, who's actually been okay for me lately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the old Devontae guys. Freeman. Yeah. Good grief! I kept them. It was a it's deep. It's like thirty five. Man, rosters, you know, 13, 14 teams. So you keep guys like that. You're just like, yes. what if? What if? <laughs> Those are my favorite leagues. I like – everybody knows I like it deep. Yeah. Wait, what? Anyway, listen. You know, the other thing, speaking of Devontae Freeman, now we see J.K. Dobbins hopefully coming back next year. Let's 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 do that with the running backs. A little of this or that with the running backs to try and place them in their spots. Because I have a feeling I'm much higher on Cam Akers than everybody else is. I may be higher on J.K. Dobbins than everybody else is. Um, let's play a little this or that with with J.K. Dobbins. Would you rather J.K. Dobbins or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going forward in Dynasty? J.K. Dobbins not even a question in my mind. Me too. I'm with you. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, this is actually tougher, David Montgomery. You know what? I'm going to go Dobbins because of the upside of the system and playing with Lamar, even though I do like Justin Fields, but I'm still going to go. I trust Harbaugh and the Ravens organization much more than I trust the Chicago Bears organization. I'm with you, and I think Dobbins is a better player than Montgomery, although Montgomery's been awesome, and I really got to give him a lot of credit. Uh, If Chalk is listening, if Angelo is listening, I got to say, Angelo, you finally won. I have David Montgomery ranked ahead of Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs in Dynasty. Congratulations. (laughs) Uh, Me and Chalk and and, and Mr. Angelo had these epic battles about who was better, and uh, we had Miles Sanders over, over David Montgomery, and today I'm with him. David Montgomery, um, J.K. Dobbins or Antonio Gibson? I, you know what, Baltimore's a better team. I'm going with Dobbins. Me too, baby. I, I can't trust Washington. Okay, here's where it gets a little harder. This is going to be a little bit harder. You ready for this one? Yeah. This one's hard. It just it, it's easy, but it's hard. J.K. Dobbins or Derrick Henry? I'm going Henry. I. I, I I have to do it. <laughs> I mean, here's the problem with Derrick Henry. He has a fucking Jones fracture in his foot and he's 28 years old. I know, but he's proven us wrong at every step of the way. Oh, I I, I mean, he's such an outlier. He's so good. And I like, I had J.K. Dobbins number two coming out behind Jonathan Taylor in that draft class. So I like Dobbins. Um, but Henry is so darn good. I know, the, you know, I haven't given it a ton of thought because I don't, I dumped Henry. Oh my God. My brother's so mad at me because I traded Henry. And he, he's like, why are you trading Henry? I'm like, you know, I got Jonathan Taylor. I got Nick Chubb. I, you know, I need, I can trade Henry. I got a first round pick for him. And now he's like, you swindled me. I'm like, no, I didn't think he'd come down <laughs> for the year. 
Well, I, I certainly put the mush on uh, on Derrick Henry with uh, my first ever, I believe, share in Dynasty. Uh, a couple of weeks before he got injured, I traded for him in my listener league of all places. Yeah. And the ship is going down hard in my listener league. God bless him. All my listeners, fuck them. It, listen, all you motherfuckers listening, you all suck because you n- none of you want to trade with me. You, it's 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 brutal. It's basically like it's a fourteen team league. It's basically thirteen against one. I can feel it. The, the, all these motherfuckers are just trying to take me out so that they can say they beat they beat me. But I, I don't blame them. Fuck me. Uh, J.K. Dobbins or Nick Chubb? Then Nick Chubb. Yeah, so I've got him right there. He's at uh, uh, running back fifteen. I got him one spot ahead of Henry, but behind Chubb. What about Cam Akers? Same question. Derrick Henry or Cam Akers in Dynasty? So I think there is a path to stardom because there's no other good running back in that backfield in Baltimore. I'm going to take Dobbins, and we still have the Henderson problem in Los Angeles. Fair enough. So that's about right. I mean, I think they're they're right in that ballpark. You and I kind of agree. I've got Akers a little bit ahead. Maybe my my man crush on Cam Akers is a little too strong, but – one one last guy I'll talk about while I'm here, Javante Williams. I got to imagine the way you're fucking talking that you're a Javante fan, yeah? Yeah, I had him at number two behind Najee Harris. I Look, I watched too much Sam Howell and, and Javante Williams last year. Yeah. I knew he was a star in the making. And, you know, I want Denver to give him the ball more, but I understand you got Gordon under contract. Yep. You, Javante Williams, isn't he still only 20 years of age? Yeah. You're yes. hoping like you're hoping for four years down the road. I get why the coaching staff likes Gordon and he's super efficient in yep. the goal line. He's, yep. you know, I know. So I hear this a lot. Analysts say there's no such thing as a goal line runner. We can't quantify it. I've watched football for 40 years. There is a goal line runner, and there are short line, short yardage runners. Agreed. No one was ever better than Marcus Allen, the greatest short yard. When he was an old man with Kansas City, he still could get in. No one could stop him from one yard. I don't care if he went under you, through you, squeezed around you, jumped over you. There is a skill, and Melvin Gordon has that skill. It's a that, great take. It's you a great know, take. I'm sorry if you watch football. It's a great take. There are runners who are short yardage runners. Yeah, it's a great take. There are. It's a great take. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I'm 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 also with Javante. I flirted with him at RB one because of his age uh, in the class, obviously. Yeah. And uh, so I'm with you 100. percent Had him right there. I kept pounding the drum. I am. I am. My exposure to Javante Williams and Dynasty is like, it's like Javante and Cam Akers. I have all of them. Why? Because I felt like they slipped. Anytime I was toward the back of the first round, Javante would just fall to me. Same way Akers would just fall. Oh, like you have to, yeah, you, you know, in super flex leagues, they'd be there at like eight, nine, 10, 11. Like you'd be like, Oh my God, fucking, what are you guys crazy click? So yeah. like, I was just pressing the button on Javante at the one ten in super flex leagues so many times in any event. Uh, I'm happy to have him, but now looking forward, I got to ask you some Javante Williams either ors because I think his, you know, it's like, would you rather Javante or Najee Harris right now? I mean, that's actually a question. I mean, obviously, I think it's Najee, but it's close. I've heard some people say I'd rather have Javante because he's three years younger 
you know, next year when Javante goes, uh, you know, redraft and Melvin Gordon should be gone, you know, Javante's going to be a first round pick in redraft, right? He will be a first round pick, but I'll say this. Yeah. I'm banking on Mike Tomlin and the Steeler organization over the Denver organization. Sure. So that's the advantage there. I mean, I mean, because Najee is, you know, I mean, you could make a case for him as high as you want. Even yeah. if you started to say, hey, look, I think he's RB1. I don't agree, but you can make that case and, and it not be stupid. You're not an idiot if you're saying Najee's the, the running back one overall. So anywhere in the top eight, Najee makes a lot of sense. So let's ask it this way. Javante Williams or Ezekiel Elliott straight up in oh, Dynasty? Javante Williams in a Dynasty. Right? In but Dynasty. Only if I'm rebuilt, I'll say this. If I can win the championship... I'm taking Zeke. Sure. But I I do I would I don't think you could get that trade, my friend. <laughs> I really I, don't. I don't think yeah. if you had Zeke and you offered the guy Javonta Williams for Zeke, I don't think you could get that trade. Hmm. It's a very it's very close. I have them back to back in my dynasty rankings, and it's a very, very interesting question for me. Obviously, there's a huge rebuild versus yeah. contender question there. So it's, it is kind of difficult. But let me ask you this, Javante Williams or Joe Mixon? Oh, Javante Williams. Right? Yeah. Javante Williams or Aaron Jones? Whoa, they signed him to that contract. He's still relatively young. He doesn't get a lot, but they have A.J. Dillon. Um, I don't know if Aaron – I'm going to go Javante. I think there's uncertainty in Green Bay. Yep, I'm with you. I've got it there. So Javante Williams or, or Austin Eckler? Oh, Javante, I'm concerned about Eckler long-term, that the body type in general, undrafted free agent, the odds of him having a long career. I mean, Javante checks, no pun intended, every box of a dynasty. He does. Javante Williams checks all the motherfucking boxes. Let me just tell you. Size, speed, vision, athleticism, production. Break tackle. Tackle breaking. Yeah, he's fucking dope. All of it. Pass catching, love him. Yeah. Javante Williams or Alvin Kamara? Oh, Javante Williams. Wow, look at that. So Javante Williams firmly, firmly in the top 10 dynasty oh, running backs. Yes. Without question in my book. We've wow. seen enough to know if the Broncos committed to him. Which they will next year. Yes. They he will. Can, he can be special. And what if they upgrade the quarterback, which would then get more plays, more first downs, more scoring? Aaron Rodgers? Yes. I mean, that. Oh, my God. But we know running backs are closely tethered to the overall quality of the offense. For sure. If that offense took an uptick with an Aaron Rodgers, Javonta Williams could be off the hook. Yeah, unless they're a, a Devontae Swift, Austin Eckler, J.D. McKissick type pass yeah. catcher, then you know we're seeing uh, uh, DeAndre Swift succeed in that shit bag Detroit Lion offense because he's such a pass catcher. Yes, but uh, he's not averaging like is not because of his running. Right, he's averaging like three yards a carry, and it doesn't fucking matter. Still there. So DeAndre Swift uh, is he a top three running back in dynasty for you or? Probably not. I haven't seen it, and I don't trust Detroit. Yeah. It's I, interesting. Also, this, so let me it's, say something that maybe yeah. your listeners have um, inferred by now. I'm banking more on organizations, even more than coaching staffs. 
Yeah. So good organizations hire good coaches. It's true. And I, I'm really tired of banking or trying to trust that these awful organizations turn things around because, you know, it, it just isn't happening. Yeah, you're right on the money. Well, we are – we, dude – John, I had so much fun. It, it's been it's been awesome having you on. I'm so glad to got to know you. You know our buddy, uh, you know Ryan Loesch, yeah, real Ryan Rhinos. You know is who kind of got us together. I'm so glad he did. You know I I uh, reached out to Ryan, wanted him to be part of the Undroppables. He's a great guy. He, you know he just does whatever for us. He's just basically that. He's like the governor. He's like the mayor. You know he just goes out there and shakes hands and and, and uh, you know Ryan's such a great dude. I. I uh, had him to the house. Uh, he, he lives up in the Bay Area. I had him down. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit further south, and you know, had him over, and we went out. He's a great guy, and I'm glad that uh, that he that he connected us because you you were awesome, and I had a lot of fun with you. Oh, thank you. I met him at the Kings Classic. An amazing guy. I I'm so glad he did hook us up. It's been a pleasure to be on your podcast this week. Awesome. Hey, uh, you know, I, I probably gave you a pretty good intro, but I don't know that I shared with the listeners where they can find you. And I'm sure by now, after this goddamn thing, they're going to look for you. So tell them where they can find you. Thanks, my friend. Please find me on Twitter at GridironSkull91. I could not afford the A and the R when I signed up. So it's <laughs> GridironSkull91. And during the season, you can see my video profiles with my teammate, Matt Hicks. We do the draft seminar on the Rookie Big Board channel on YouTube. And my written profiles and analysis, they're on the football diehards. And all of that information starts to come out about mid-February. I don't – what we've heard today is just my film analysis and looking at the numbers. I haven't really gone into my deep dive. That's for the holiday season until about February 1st. John, maybe we'll have you back on uh, come draft time because that's the that's when the hotness is for Dynasty for sure. And uh, you know, I can't have enough guests during that time. It's hard to find guests th- during this time of year because everybody's so damn busy. But uh, during the draft time, everybody's ready to come on and give their takes. I love it. I'd love to have you back. The the listeners would love to have you back. And uh, I thank you, man. You and I are new friends, brother. Excellent, brother. Anytime, my friend. So, on behalf of everybody here at the undroppables on behalf of everybody here at the undrafted on behalf of the absent, but happy Philadelphia Eagle fan, the best producer in the land, Michael P. Don't ask me what the P stands for. Duncan on behalf of Mr. John Lobb. I am Jax Falcone and we are out. Out.